Broadcasting live from Razor Tide Bridge on the plain of Mirrodin, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham and joining me is Cameron. Hello. And Nelson. Hi there. And today we are going to be talking a little bit about uh, magic content. We're we'll talking sort of talking shop, I suppose, to an extent, and also one or two sort of surprise spoilers for Forgotten Realms, which popped up this morning. So we figure we may as well mention them. But before that, we will, of course, mention our sponsor, Card Kingdom. Tap Tap Concede is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Please go to cardkingdom.com slash LRR for all of your card needs. They will ship singles anywhere that you live. They'll ship sealed product. Well, they'll ship recent sealed product in the U.S. They'll ship older sealed product anywhere you live as well. And you can tell them, Loading Ready Run sent me button, please, and they'll give you a little one-inch button. The current design says, changelings are cowards. Mm. Which is powerful, strictly speaking, true as far as game mechanics are concerned. And of course, this show and everything we do is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run, for which we very much thank you. All right, before we get into talking about, I mean, I guess sort of ourselves and other people who also do magic stuff, this morning on a stream, I think it was a D&D stream, actually, they spoiled two more cards from the upcoming Magic D&D Forgotten Realms mashup set, specifically some more stuff in the, like, just straight out of, you know, flipping through the book and going like this, let's make this into a magic card. <laughs> so Tasha's Hideous Laughter, which is a spell that uh, sort of incapacitates an enemy by forcing them to just laugh. But in the context of magic, it is one blue blue for a sorcery. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until that player has exiled cards with a total mana value 20 or more. Yeah, so I guess this, like, demolishes the last ad nauseum players on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Or just like burn decks. Cheerios. Yeah, Cheerios. Oof. Yeah, lands. Land. Ooh, yeah. Right? I mean, like, probably not actually. I don't know. I'd have to, like, hit all these legacy decks up and do the math, I guess. But yeah, this is a, a real card with real implications. Yeah, this is serious mill. The other card I'm very excited about this one is Flumph. Which is not a character, it's a creature. It's like saying goblin as a card. It's just, it's a flump. It's one and a white for an O4 jellyfish with defender and flying. And whenever flump is dealt damage, you and target opponent each draw a card. So flumps are a really straight, we'll talk about the card in a second. Flumps are a very strange D&D creature. They're these weird floating psychic jellyfish. They live in the Underdark. They like siphon evil energy from from like strange beings and they're they're like they're just it's it's very strange because it's like okay psychic jellyfish that lives from the underdark that sounds terrifying no flumps are innately good like they're mm -hmm. they're they're your psychic friend who's fun to be with because they feed on evil energy and keep you safe from it yeah guess, exactly right? we huh. did a they showed up in a campaign that we played once years ago with Jer, I think just because he thought they were funny. And I mean, they are. I wonder if they taste terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just very happy to see a flump in magic. This has been like the interpretation of D&D &D stuff into magic or vice versa has always been something that I've really wondered about because a lot of like a lot of magic cards, you can kind of quite early, easily see how they would manifest right in mm -hmm, D&D mm -hmm. right like a lightning bolt hey I already had that spell in D&D easy I don't know what ponder does in D&D right or something like brainstorm or even something like a call to mind or regrowth 
I think all that stuff is supposed to represent like divination magic. So like the ability to do right. scrying in D&D, like seeing far away or seeing into the future. Yes, yes, exactly. But like that's a much more nebulous thing in D&D, right? Oh, for like, sure. If you, ask your, if you ask your GM, like what's going to happen in five minutes, right? They're like, you, you tell me, I don't know. We have to figure that out ourselves, right? Like you could almost see in D&D it having like a Shaharazad effect. Right. Right. Where you like, okay, well, I guess we have to play it out in good faith. Well, like if you're a wizard with that, with like powerful time magic, like what's the difference between a time walk and a ponder in D&D, right? Yeah. Like you have some sort of extra advantage because of your magic during a period of time. And I, I just kind of imagine, like if you've ever seen the uh, the series Chernobyl on HBO, stick mm-hmm. with me. I'm going someplace with this. Okay. There's a scene where a bunch of like the, the scientists and, and generals who are trying to like deal with this problem are sitting around a table and trying just like trying to figure out how to solve this one specific problem and they're all like proposing objectively bad ideas and looking a little hurt when each other are like no that's stupid and i just imagine that that's probably like what happens at watsy when you're sitting around a table trying (laughs) to figure out what like a magic card does in D &D or vice versa right like yeah i love that like okay how is a time walk different from a ponder well clearly one is one more mana right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, Dave, we discussed this. Power word kill is a two mana spell now. Okay. That's just how it's going to be. Okay. Okay. Fine. That is kind of funny. I know we talked about that already, but it's like, you know, this not this level nine wizard spell is like, yeah, you know, it's one in a, it's one in a black. Cause it's not, it's like the mana cost isn't like the difficulty of the spell. If like flavor wise, the mana cost mm-hmm. is not, I don't actually know what the mana cost represents flavor wise in magic. I mean, that's how much mana it takes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's more or less difficult if it takes more or less mana. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like the one that really cooks my noodle is that all the power word spells in D&D still take up nine pages in your spell book. Oh, Christ. Power word kill. I assume it just says kill and it needs nine pages, right? I guess it's really like the penmanship, the calligraphy is probably quite nice on it. I don't know. It's just so much, so much illumination. Exactly. Is it just the word kill written over and over again? It's just like nine pages of doing lines. Yeah. And it's just like that. Anyway, that was a digression and a half, but. But it was related to this flump because it's like, okay, it has, you know, zero power and four toughness and whenever it takes damage we both draw a card and that's like what came out of that big chernobyl session eventually over months yeah. r and d of just like how do we represent this flump we've decided we agree we want to make the flump a magic card so what the heck does the jellyfish that sucks up evil energy do in magic yeah right and like i feel this one was probably quite a bit easier to do than something like tasha's hideous laughter mm. right because you could imagine tasha's hideous laughter as like a pacifism yeah i was gonna expect claustrophobia out of Tasha's hideous laughter when I saw it, when I saw the name I was like oh cool that's a that's a spell I have memorized on a character I played last week like yeah that's a spell it's cool yeah but no no it's a mill card and you're like okay that's kind of interesting I, I want to say like this process probably had several passes through the whole set like there was probably an initial pass from R&D I'm gonna guess it's just like okay here's this giant dumb file of like everybody's favorite things from D&D that they personally want to see put into magic or they know that the fans will appreciate seeing in magic so here's the like 
like you know the vorthos angle the like top-down version of like we're finally doing it let's make sure we try to get some number of these ones and then probably they're like okay after doing some development we have kind of a rough set and then they have to do a few more passes of just like oh we didn't get any red burn spells somehow or like oh there's no mill spells right or oh there's no you know creature that can prevent damage from another whatever it is that makes up like the total number of things they always want in a set or like minimum number of different kind of mechanics they want to fit into a set and then they can do another pass and stuff so it's possible even that like Tasha City and Slaughter started off as one thing and then they're like well we really need a blue rare mill card <laughs> so we're just gonna like try to make it make it work somehow on one of these other ones yeah that makes sense I mean that's a part of the process that I don't think a lot of people consider because it's not it's not like fun you know it feels like the it's the the, the challenging parts of development you know like you, you want to assume that R&D just like they have all these ideas and they just you know they put all these ideas onto paper and maybe they had you know they have to they have tweak things and make things work but it's all sort of like shaping you know this like perfect greater vision but they've talked a lot about how it's like well hang on some we have to we got to ram this thing in there somehow and it's 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 not going to be pretty but we got to get it in there yeah it, it makes the set be fun for the players as long as you know nobody remembers who the common three mana two four green creature with no abilities is but some for some reason we know it has to be there or the draft is gonna suck yeah, yeah. right like and then there's also just things like you know, maro's talked about how there always has to be a dragon right yeah. and that's probably pretty easy in a dungeons and dragons set <laughs> in this in this set i think it'll be all right yeah i think it might be a few dragons in this set yeah but i think he also mentioned like sometimes it's less clear how you do that like in in a Strahd. So we decided, you know, I, I guess they're just like, there's a couple of dragons on Innistrad. Yep. Why not? Why not? Right. So back to the flump from a magic perspective, how do we think about the sort of direction that it seems like white card draw is going? Because we just had Secret Rendezvous or Be Gay Read Books or whatever it was called from Strixhaven. And then the flump here where it's like, okay, I get to draw a card, but also you get to draw a card. Is that like, I mean, I personally am not a big fan of my opponent ever getting to draw cards. So, you know, it's like, hmm, is this the trade-off that we're okay making for white to get card draw? I mean, I guess this is this is for commander, right? Because commander players broadly agree that white is weak and I'm already wincing after saying that statement because I don't care. Don't don't at me. I'm just repeating what I'm repeating what I'm told. That's true. Yeah. That, you know, I, I suppose you can have this white strategy where, sure, you get to draw cards and your opponents get to draw cards. And this is pretty like this. Compare this to Wall of Omens, I guess. Right. Wall of Omens enters the battlefield. It's an 0-4 with Defender and it draws you a card. Uh, this can draw you multiple cards. I assume this is never drawing anyone a single card ever. Right. Because it's like flump. Oh, I kill it. Yeah. It's just a flump. Jerry, it's a flump. What? Well, I've never seen it before. I don't know how powerful it is. And it's going to block my zombies. I need to kill it. No, I'm. It's, this is great. I'm a big fan of Punchy Cameron. I mean, so yeah, I mean, in Commander, you do get to do the thing where it's like, all right, I draw a card and we'll mm -hmm. say you get to draw a card, but you two don't. And that's fine, I guess. But like, is this something, I mean, an 0-4 Flying Defender for two in Draft or Sealed is probably okay but i don't know i don't know that, that your opponent drawing a whole card seems like a pretty big downside for you getting to draw a card i think yeah exactly right like i mean i can easily see a thing and this is coming at it from a limited player where you know sometimes you send a message and you attack with a 2-2 into an 0-4 just to see if your opponent will block 
Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, you're fronting a combat trick. You could trade a card for a card. And that is a calculus that you make as the attacker. Right. Whether yeah. you're going to send that message or not. This seems to put the pressure on the defending player. Right. Mm. Which I don't know if I want to be doing that as the defender being like, oh, do I offer do I do I bait the combat trick and draw my opponent a card and lose my blocker? Right. But then I suppose that's what Flump is for. Right. If Flump baits a combat trick and draws you another another card, that's probably okay, I guess. Yeah. Nelson, what do you think? Yeah, I think you guys nailed it on like hit the nail on the head the first time around with talking about how commander players feel, specifically commander players feel white is, you know, at the bottom of the power rankings among colors and magic. And these cards cards secret rendezvous and flump like they're an entirely different effect in a four-player chaos game than in a duel right like Mm -hmm. you know we Mm -hmm. don't want to play these cards in limited and sealed or sorry draft and sealed or you know standard either because yeah if your opponent's the only person they only have one opponent and they draw cards now you're out mana and you're both on parity of cards every time you get one of these effects and i don't know if there's any way to really rectify that i suppose you could they could print cards that were like when when you cast this or when when this creature takes damage or whatever the condition is when this hits a player or something like you draw a card and your opponent may pay mana to draw a card like maybe they can fix it to do that so that white can still draw cards and the opponent kind of has to play around it but maybe they've tested that and it's too powerful i don't know but yeah in in commander specifically these cards aren't that bad like yeah flump is just like some creature that in you know either makes your your opponents think oh i don't want to attack them or you know guarantees that you're gonna draw a card if you do get attacked like seems fine for commander and i think it's okay if there's some cards that are just like hey there's a big you know yellow like highway traffic sign on this card that says like play me in commander and like if you play me in some other format where you only have one opponent like you know here be dragons or like (laughs) right yeah (laughs) beware right like it's okay to have some of those so set can't be full of them obviously but fair enough all right well before we move on i actually have one other small digression that i wanted to share just because i think it's really interesting Mm -hmm. from a rules perspective which is urza's saga i saw this on the magic subreddit urza's saga you can just you can destroy it by using something like spreading seas or blood moon yeah i've heard blood moon yeah removes urza's saga yeah so the way that that works is it doesn't rewrite the subtypes so it's still a saga and sagas have innate rules for them but it does make the land into a mountain which has no abilities other than the tap to add red so what that means is it doesn't have any abilities meaning it has no chapters of the saga but an innate thing about sagas is they say that whenever the saga has more or has an equal or higher number of lore counters on it to the saga's highest chapter ability then the player controlling it sacrifices it as a state-based action so it has counters on it and is still a saga but it has no chapters so so the rules just go well any number is more than zero get rid of that saga Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just thought that was a neat weird way that rules are magic is a strange game Mm -hmm. i feel the uh, my initial reaction to urza saga being previewed uh, weeks and weeks ago of just like i don't even know what kind of judge headache this is going to give me yeah but i like it's an enchantment saga land so i'm sure there will be plenty and this is a great one this is like we learn you know more about the exact wording of 
sagas from back in dominaria and or no is that the first one the sagas whenever sagas started started getting printed and yeah i can remember specifically doing the judge video for sagas the first time and it was like wow this 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 ability this mechanic is like it's complicated to say out loud like everyone kind of get like it's it's easy to look at you just like look at the card before you've even learned what a saga is you're like okay it's an enchantment and you probably do this then that and that oh it gives you reminder text okay they all happen at the beginning of your main phase like great you do those three and then what you sacrifice it okay like and they did a great job of doing that like you know kids that didn't watch the judge pbr video or whatever or didn't read the rules online don't know the comp rules can figure out sagas pretty easily but yeah trying to like get down to the very the bones of what what a saga is has this interesting revelation that spreading seas or or blood moon ends up killing it because of the exact wording of how the saga and eight rules work so it's fascinating and also makes me tired (laughs) (laughs) understandable so on to our other topic i was gonna say our main topic but that was 20 minutes about that's that stuff so the other topic that we figured we'd talk about this week it was a big week for sort of magic content milestones in kind of a fun way limited resources our friends over at lr marshall sutcliffe and current co-host louise scott vargas who's actually the longest tenured co-host and has been for a while. It doesn't feel like it, but he he has been for on the show for some time, like 300 and something episodes. Anyway, Limited Resources hit episode 600 this week. Uh, they started in 2014. I feel like LSV feels like the most tenured host or co-host now. But anyways. Well, I've been listening since John, who was the second co-host, because originally it started with Marshall and Ryan Spain and then... John Lokes or Lokes? Yeah, John Lokes, and then Brian Wong, and then uh, a bunch of interim co-hosts, of which we were one once. That was that was a fun time. And then and then Luis when they moved over to Channel Fireball and the Command Zone. Our friends Jimmy and Josh and everybody down at the Command Zone compound in Los Angeles they hit episode four hundred, which <laughs> I, which uh, confused me. James brought this up. He was like, "Hey, you know, the limited resources has hit six hundred episodes. The Command Zone's at four hundred episodes." And I was like, "Wait, hang on. This is episode three hundred and sixty-four of Tap Tap Concede." And I know that we've missed weeks here and there over the years, but I'm pretty sure we started before the Command Zone, and we did. We started about a year and a half before the Command Zone. They've just done more episodes. They have frequently done more than one a week just because of how they structure it so i was i was briefly confused podcast factory yeah because i saw that i'm like there's no way we've missed a cumulative years worth of podcasts yeah right of ttc if you've met josh though you're probably not too surprised by this like oh yeah that guy's just he's cranking it out he's gung-ho for it you know he's gonna he's gonna pump out two three podcasts a week no problem oh yeah for breakfast they are an unstoppable content juggernaut so yeah, our first episode of Tap Tap Concede was January 18th, 2013 with myself, Kathleen, Paul, and James. Hmm. So I don't remember what the sort of impetus was. I think it was just like we had started doing some magic stuff. Like I think this even predates, no, it can't possibly predate the It's Magic episode because that was all as we were starting to get into it. I'm looking it up right now. But I think it was just like, hey, we should, should do a magic podcast <laughs> Like, I think that was the in- entire reason. It was like, hey, we should do a magic podcast. Oh, we've got nothing else going on. Sure, why not? You'd all been playing a lot. It's magic was when, 2010? Yep, November 2010. Okay, so this was like three years later then. Two, a little over two years later. That's honestly quite a long interval. Yeah. It took you that long to figure out that producing a magic podcast was both going to be fun and easy. 
<laughs> I mean, well, like given everyone's continued addiction to magic for three plus years, right? We started doing, I should say that sort of like the thesis for this discussion is just sort of like what magic content was like then and sort of how it's progressed over the years. We started doing the streams was the only stream that we did was the weekly magic stream with myself and James just once a week playing some magic on, on the very bad looking magic online and then the less bad, but not great looking magic online and now arena to the, to the extent that we don't even want to play modern horizon we want to play modern horizons but we don't want to use mitko so we just yeah. don't i really want to play modern horizons too but also haven't dusted off my mtgo client i yeah. might we'll see but also this week olivia is going to be doing her 200th stream of commander i was nice. actually watching that earlier yeah nice. oh okay so it's happened already whoops yeah no it's it, it is friday the 9th the 11th today's the 11th yeah what time recording time marcheth ever onward okay yeah she's yeah she was doing a 12-hour stream today cool. so i popped in for a little bit to watch what was going on and they were definitely playing commander i watched prof fetch for a shock land to play a soul ring then tapped a soul ring for a mana vault then tapped a mana vault for a sword of light and shadow <laughs> and then he took a photo and posted it to twitter oh, nice <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, when we started, when we started streaming, when we started doing Tap Tap, there were not as many people doing magic content as there are now, which is great, by the way. I think it's awesome. But yeah, Limited Resources started in 2009. And I'm trying to think of like what else there was at the time. I mean, we started at a fortuitous moment with the It's Magic episode of Commodore Hustle. We and Nate and Sean from Walking the Plains had both independently just made these things at around the same time that happened to line up with when Wizards internally had finally twigged that, oh, we should like care about people who make magic stuff for us. And that's why we got brought on to make Friday nights and they got brought on to make Walking the Plains in the same the same summer. It was like, all right, we're we're hiring both of you groups to do to do stuff. But I mean, there was not as many I I'm honestly and this this sounds bad because I should know, I am racking my brain to try and think of other content creators that were around at the time. I mean, there was places like MTGO Academy where we also produced content for a while, but most of it was just sort of occasional gameplay stuff. I mean, like Channel Fireball would have been around, not to the extent that they that they sort of churn out the content now, but there was there was that, there was MTGO Academy, but even on Twitch, like you look at the magic category now and there's there's always somebody playing, but at the time it was like mostly Kenji. Like Kenji was uh, was absolutely the number one magic streamer. I was just going to mention Kenji and and back then like I can remember watching Kenji a bunch during Theros and I believe at the time he was sponsored by the Brainstorm Brewery podcast right. Rural Juror and uh, I think I'm just checking now this week is their 446th episode so they've probably been around about as long as as at least TTC right Right well probably sooner than that then yeah assuming that assuming that they've kept themselves to a normal human pace of only <laughs> one a week Josh <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Yeah for sure but yeah Kenji was like an initial juggernaut who's really kept at it and yeah now i'm racking my brain for what sort of magic content i was consuming 10 years ago too like star city games obviously has been like around for a really long time and they've hired writers tcg player you know like the mothership and then but i don't know how many kind of independent things that really gained a lot of traction and that people were aware of there was a thing called gg's live that you could watch on the weekend where you get coverage of grand prix and coverage of of scg tour t 
tournaments. Wasn't that just Rashad? Yeah, it was Rashad's thing. I think it might have had some help, but yeah, it was Rashad like before Rashad was hired to like, you know, help run the pro tours and stuff Mm -hmm. or the pro tour coverage. You know, it was like back back then coverage didn't look like it does now. No, (laughs) you know, like so yeah, Rashad had like underground, you know, grassroots coverage. And I think like Jerry Thompson was involved at some point or some other some other big names Mm -hmm. that weren't as big as they are now, you know. But yeah, I didn't I didn't have as much access to all the different kinds of content of every single different kind of format. Yeah. And we, you know, in in our very, very typical fashion, sort of missed the boat on becoming you know, the, the premier magic YouTubers, because we were a variety bunch of folks and we don't, we didn't at the time we do now, but we didn't at the time have like just a magic focused YouTube channel, but we, we were able to directly inspire the number one magic YouTuber. Cause as he said, many times, the reason that prof started doing the Telerian community college was because of watching our videos and going, wait, I could do that, which, <laughs> which is amazing. And he didn't <laughs> know how right he was. Yeah. <laughs> the time does he still have he has more youtube subs than magic right probably like the magic youtube channel yeah i remember that being a thing that he mentioned at some point we could fact check that but i i would definitely i would make that bet (laughs) yeah he's got six hundred and thirteen thousand subscribers and magic has 489 so it's not close nice way to go prof but it's been it's been really cool to see sort of the progression of like more and more people coming on to not just youtube but twitch and even just twitter or you know whatever the the format or platform is you know more and more people doing really cool stuff with magic over the years it's been great i i don't have time to watch all of it is is honestly my biggest my biggest problem because like we're friends with prof we're friends with jimmy and josh we're friends with lots of magic content creators who's very good content i basically don't watch because i have no time because we spend so much time making our own content and you know for those keeping a score at home we we all and by we all i mean magic content creators we all know that and we're cool with it like i don't think they watch a lot of our stuff either and that's fine because they're they, they have the same problem you get to watch all of it you get to watch whatever you desire you the listener with infinite time yeah lucky you (laughs) yeah i don't even get to watch as much of our stuff as i would like yeah man like i yeah i tried to make time to watch all of the first episode of candle key mysteries and kathleen was doing a bang-up job running it and yeah i got to watch half of it There's more kids in the game now, too. I think it's like as content creation has become like a little bit easier, a little bit more accessible, maybe, you know, like I definitely can't think of anyone that was in the position of like a Dana Fisher or a Rhino back in 2010. Yeah. Being like a very mm-hmm. young, successful player and content creator. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool to see. But yeah, no, like I I don't watch a whole lot of magic content and I so the stuff that I do watch is quite like I'm quite judicious with it. So Mm -hmm. if I am if I'm watching your video, it's probably because I think you're interesting. (laughs) That's a pretty reasonable reason to watch something. (laughs) As I said it, I was like, yes, Cameron, very good. We'll put that up there with combos with skull clamp, right? As (laughs) as a profound insight into in into the 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 ways of magic. Oh, I know who I know who I I thought of that we haven't mentioned yet because he's gone gone on to he still has a, a podcast regularly, but he doesn't have his own little show that was like one of the cornerstones of my early magic content diet and he's doing more kind of 
I think he does more behind the scenes and like directorial stuff. It's Evan Irwin with The Magic Show. Uh, and that ran for many years and gave you a sweet like weekly update on what everyone's going to be talking about at FNM or what just won the most recent tournament or previews or like combos people had recently put together, but there hasn't even been a tournament to kind of show it off yet. And yeah, his show was great. I really liked the pacing and I really liked the tone of the show. So kind of got me more excited to play Magic regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they still do Magic Mics. Yeah, Magic Mics now with Ruben and Aaron, and maybe sometimes they have guests. I'm not sure. Like everything else, I don't consume it very much. Just yeah. like little bits here and there. If like there's like a, a part that manages to kind of catch my attention or word of mouth, like check this one part out or this episode of Magic Mics, you know. It's amazing how much the sort of general perception of magic has changed as well. I remember, I mean, so th- there was the thing, and I've talked about this before, where we, and by we, I mean like my friend group and the people I went to school with, all stopped playing Magic, and so assumed that everyone in the world stopped playing Magic. You know, that was that was a fad that is over now. And then years later, it was like, wait, people still play it? Yes, and not only do people still play it, it's more popular than it has ever been. And it's like, oh, oh weird. Okay, cool, I guess. And that has only become more true as it's as it's moved forward. Yeah, like I remember early on in filming Friday Nights, we decided that one of the conceits for the show was that everyone in the world played magic. Yeah. So that, you know, we could just have regular social interactions with people around Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. And it also presented an interesting AU. And as it turns out, that's not that far off. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you I know, mean, Post Malone was just on, on Game Nights. Game Nights. So yeah. I assume we're cool now by the transitive property hopefully post malone's appearance on game nights will encourage all the other celebrities who just like are diehard commander buffs or you know secret legacy brewers or like limited gurus to let themselves into the the magic spotlight too yeah also shout outs to posty for playing a commander i had literally never heard of before oh nice i haven't had a chance to, as mentioned haven't had a chance to watch it yet who's his commander oh god what is her name it's she's from legends she's an esper commander from legends who steals who mind controls things mariki ribarrett yeah mariki ribarrett <laughs> and i'm like what who who Oh, I feel bad for you it's, guys for not having heard of this card. This card rocked the 90s. Yeah, I know, right? Like it, this card mattered to like little Nelly. Yeah. So it's white, blue, black for a 1-1 human. Mariki Rebarrett doesn't untap during your untap step. Okay. And then tap gain control of target creature as long as you control Mariki Rebarrett. When she leaves play or becomes untapped, destroy that creature. It can't be regenerated. Neat, huh? So, Wow. So it's like a weird shackles, but you can't choose to untap her. No, if you can like twiddle her untapped, then you get to kill their creature. And take a different one. Yeah, pretty neat, right? That's so odd. I love it. Yeah, it certainly didn't become templated into like a thing that we now know as like the, oh, you know, then this spell, like when the, the duration of the first trigger ends, then you Mariki Ribera a creature, right? Like it's not like a yeah. way of doing, yeah, magic abilities that kept happening. Oh, when she leaves play, so you can like blink and mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And like, this is my experience with legends. At this point, I'm assuming there's 
about 4,000 cards in Legends. Because I'll just be like, shown this card that people are like, yeah, you, you don't know Mariki Ribarit? She's a thing. And I'm like, I... I, I I feel old. I'm sorry you don't know Ricky Rivera, but you should feel young. <laughs> right? Like, there's just, there's there's always more cards in Legends, and I can never, it, it, I feel like I'm constantly stepping through the Berenstain rift, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a real thing with Legends specifically. I mean, not the Ber- Berenstain rift, although maybe that's also a real thing too. Stain, Berenstain rift, please. Stein. <laughs> Stone. <laughs> the Berenstain oh, bears. <laughs> Anyways, Legends had like two print runs and like one, you you either got a pack with the actual rares or you got a pack with the just the uncommons. Oh, I'm going to mention this only so that people stop angrily typing in the chat. Marie Rebarrett was originally printed in Ice Age. Lol. I've still never seen her before and reprinted as a time spiral, like the purple hourglass card in in time spiral. And again, never seen her before. Okay, no, but this this act, I'm not wrong here because this speaks to my point where (laughs) she's like this weirdo old bordered card. And I'm like, oh, clearly from Legends. Right. (laughs) And I feel that that is a defensible position when I'm shown an old border card that I've never seen before, never heard of before, never gleaned exist. Like she's a house for one thing. (laughs) The power level of this card is just absolutely unstoppable. And I'm like, okay, fine. It's from Legends, I guess. (laughs) This is my life. She's a gold three color legendary creature from the 90s. So it's like kind of like very likely that she's from Legends because most of them are. But yeah, that's fair. And maybe Rubinia Soulsinger is actually from Legends and then Mercury Barrett was from Ice Age. Soulsinger also skills creatures. I'm assuming that she was probably also like a thing that got pushed when that, what was the commander format? It was like sawn off commander. Max CMC was three. Tiny leaders? Tiny leaders. Right. She seems like she would have been a tiny leaders thing. Yeah, I could see that. Anyway, I don't know if Danny Trejo or Patton Oswalt actually play magic either, but they do a good job in those ads. Mm. Actually, Danny Trejo occasionally jokes on social media about magic. So, you know, either he actually plays or at least knows enough to make to make jokes that pass muster. Yeah, like I, I could quite easily imagine, like actors must have a wide variety of time killing pastimes. Oh, yeah. Right. It's like you're going to be called. You've been in makeup since 4 a.m. You're going to be called to set at 11, but you have three hours in the interim. Right. Right. So, you know, you're going to you could read a magazine or you could like derp around on Reddit, I guess. I don't know. But or you could play Magic the Gathering. It, it, It makes sense to me that this would be like a shadow pastime in acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like certainly the the game is popular among, I think, you know, artists and yeah, people in people in fine arts. We've certainly encountered that plenty. So it's, it doesn't seem strange to me that, yeah, lots of Hollywood might actually play magic or, you know, there might be some kind of underground magic scene amongst like you know, street artists. I could see that happening. Certainly musicians, plenty of plenty of people in bands I've played with do play magic or did. Somewhat unsurprisingly, in in university, a lot of the the people in my department played magic. Like it was all kitchen table stuff, right? But you know, when you're waiting around for two hours for a, a test to or an experiment to to cook, right, or for results to come in, you know, there's there's a few activities you can do and one of them was magic the gathering. I think certainly like the attitudes that people have around magic, like in the last twenty years have changed from like 
you know, I, a person who's played like maybe 20 games in their life and owns like 300 cards or something like that, like played for a little while goes from like, I don't know what that is. Or like, oh, there might be some of those in my mom's basement to like, oh yeah, I play magic. I haven't got to play for a while, but yeah, I play magic, right? Like just as the like status of magic is like sort of slowly changed and like getting a little more solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's neat to see. You know what else is neat? Ordering cards from cardkingdom.com. And it's extra neat if you put our affiliate code in there, cardkingdom.com forward slash LRR, so that you can get a sweet little one inch button that says changelings are cowards. That's right. You heard us. Yeah. You heard it here first. They're cowards. Smooth. Smooth segue. Thank you. But you know what isn't cowardly? Becoming a patron of Loading Ready Run and helping us keep the lights on and feed our families. No, even better. This man is unstoppable. Mm, yeah. Over at patreon.com forward slash loading ready run, you could be responsible for the last 45 minutes to an hour worth of chicanery and shenanigans and uh, other shibboleths. Nope, that wasn't as smooth. Cut that one out, Jordan. Do not cut that. <laughs> I would like to thank you for being here. Do we have any other little end of the night or end of the cast housekeeping? I don't think so. Just sort of generally congratulations to everyone on hitting those yeah. fun content creator milestones. And if you're out there, thinking that you would like to contribute to you know the conversation if you want to make videos or podcasts or streams or whatever you should do it if we can do it you can do it yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely just sidle up to a microphone and start saying things into it and then you can even be wildly wrong like i am and think marie curie barrett is from legends (laughs) as a matter of record like you (laughs) you can just say that and people are like oh that's Cameron. I mean, I was completely with you. I just assumed that it was from Legends as well. I was ready to step through the Berenstein Rift and just be in the world where Mercury Barrett was in the Legends, like, you know, file. It's fine. I would, I'd step through it with you, Cam. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, that's how I know I'm among friends here. We are friends here and we're going to we're going to sign off. I have been Graham joined by Cameron. Huh? And Nelson. Yes. Jordan edits these. James has been running the card reader. Heather gets them online. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you next time on Tap Tap Concede. Bye-bye. Bye.